This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Guess what? Three million people have already voted, and we are uh, about a month away from Election Day, and we have a lot to discuss today as the president gets out of Walter Reed. We'll talk about what that means. We'll also give you a sense of the polls as we are setting up for a vice presidential debate tomorrow. That means more than just about any other, and we'll continue to talk about how Congress is going to fu- uh, function, uh, half Zoom, uh, Skype, whatever, and half in person as Andy McCabe is officially backed out of his scheduled appearance on Wednesday. Get this straight. Sally Yates says, it wasn't my responsibility. James Comey said the Russian investigation. I was left in the dark on a lot of that. Andy McCabe was the one in charge, and he won't show up. He was worried about his health. Please don't tell me you buy that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Judge Barrett will be there in person. I will be there in person. She will be confirmed this year. Democrats will have plenty of time to ask her hard, relevant questions. If they try to destroy her, it will blow up in her in their face like it did with Kavanaugh. All right, supremely confident. That's what you could say the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett is for Republicans. They think they can still do it. That's the feeling McConnell and Graham both have. Is that the right thing to do? I say yes. We'll bring you the latest legal political death match. Number two. The candidates will be separated by plexiglass and seated by more than 12 feet apart. There will be no handshake. The candidates will not be wearing masks. It will be moderated by USA Today's Susan Page. It's going to be 90 minutes long, uh, broken up into nine 10-minute segments. Well, Griff Jenkins took everything away from what I had to say about it, but the VP debate 24 hours away, the new rules, the stakes, as they both fight for themselves, their running mates, and their 2024 future. Number one. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. We're the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. Don't let it dominate your lives. Heartless. It is cruel. What does that mean, don't be afraid of it? It's a contagious disease that kills people. So disrespectful. I mean, it's outrageous. Uh, Did you get the understanding that some critics don't like what Donald Trump just said? He's back. Let the praise and the critics sound off. What's the best message for the president to bring to the people, to the campaign trail? And what medical hurdles are still ahead? Listen, Trump was in Walter Reed for 72 hours. He had no fever. His blood and oxygen was holding steady. He's already taken steroids. He's got remdesivir, one more treatment. Early on, he got something probably we won't get, everything else we could get, no problem. And that's Regeneron, which is a new, they say, antibody cocktail. He got that first. Now he's taking zinc. We all take that vitamin D. We heard about that. Melatonin, daily aspirin. There you go. The president says he's never felt better. Why? He actually probably ate good and relaxed for the first time in four years. Number two, he actually had a vitamin. The guy needs to eat better, even though he's got so much energy. So he's back, and you would think people would be thrilled. You know me. You've been listening to this show. I'm the feeling. I know this disease can be deadly. But I also know who's the most susceptible. And it's not 25-year-old football players. It's not even 50-year-old people who are relatively healthy. Danger? Yes. 
but the n- numbers are overwhelming is for people with pre-existing conditions that are over 70. And the president did fit that bill in some respects, a little overweight, and I guess he takes a blood thinner. But he went through it, had a scare, and got through it. So he said, don't let it dominate you. Don't let it take over your lives. We let it take over the country. It's taken over the world. And who's benefiting besides China? Cut one. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. Here's his doctor. Now, keep in mind, I got this straight. I, got, I went back and talked to people about it. So if President Trump is the commander-in-chief, and this is military, these people are officers. These doctors are officers because the doctor, they get their degrees through the military and in the term they serve. So, yeah, they have to take their orders, but they're not going to put their medical reputations on the line and be the one that told the president— Go back early, and then he has a relapse. If there was, of course, there's a risk. They say five to seven days where you could go backwards, and if that happens, he'll go back to Walter Reed. But they also bring up the fact that staying in a hospital oftentimes is dangerous. If you've had somebody in the hospital, if you've been in it, you know it. A lot of times you go in with one thing, and you come out with something else because most people are sick that go in. Germs fly, uh, fly all around. So Dr. Sean Connolly weighed in at Walter Reed. Cut three. The president has continued to improve. He's met or exceeded all standard hospital discharge criteria. He'll receive another dose of remdesivir here today, and then we plan to get him home. Though he may not entirely be out of the woods yet, the team and I agree that all our evaluations, and most importantly, his clinical status, support the president's safe return home, where he'll be surrounded by world-class medical care 24-7. And he's returning to a facility, the White House Medical Unit, that's staffed 24-7, top-notch, Physicians, nurses, PAs, logisticians, and uh, the unit here, uh, the team here behind me is going to continue to support us in that nature. Remdesivir today, and then he should be done, and we'll see how it goes. Also, if this cocktail works, I know everybody's going to want it. I know there's 208,000 people that died, but I also know there's 10 million people in America that got it, and almost all of them survived. Yeah, there's some damage. It's a disease. The flu is a disease, cancer disease. But we still have to go and overcome things in life is what he's saying. But because he didn't say, I'm scared to death, I can't believe it, I almost died. And then they would have said, I told you so anyway. They don't like this message. He says, don't let it dominate your life. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world. They're very, uh, uh, they're all going to be, we're going to have a vaccine shortly. So I, I, I hesitate even playing this, but I want to give you what every other channel that you don't watch because they're so over the top with Trump hatred said. Cut seven. Oh, my goodness, Nicole. When I saw that Trump, I mean, I, I literally was overwhelmed. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless. It is uh, Cruel. What does that mean, don't be afraid of it? I mean, first of all, it's it's a contagious disease that kills people. There's nowhere to even begin. It's just so horrible, so, so destructive to say, I feel better than I have in 20 years. He's saying this is so disrespectful. The president says it's no big deal. Uh, 
I mean, it's outrageous. It's disgraceful, Wolf. It's absurd. Because they've made a living telling you how terrible it is. They keep that ticker on the side, and they tell you just don't live your lives. How dare you live your lives? You stay in a basement, and you run for president. That's the way you do it. Oh, unless you own a restaurant, unless you own a gym, unless you have to travel for your business, unless you have a product that needs you there in person. But you don't know what that's like. I'm lucky enough to get paid anyway. And I see the fact that there's so many other people. Most people aren't nearly as lucky. They've taken lesser jobs. They've lost their jobs. They're telecommuting, which would be a positive, but it also is a as a tenth as productive in most cases as they would be if they were in person. Carl Rove weighed in and said this is an opportunity for the president, who by all accounts is trailing and had a terrible debate. He's got to do a great debate uh, next week, and Pence has got to kill it this week in a good way. Cut nine. This is a chance for the president to say, I understand personally what it is to confront this. I understand the concerns of ordinary Americans about this because I myself have have worried about this for myself, my wife, my family, the impact on my colleagues at the place that I work. I understand this. And I want you to know what it is that we are doing to confront this. And I want to share with you what we have been doing to make it better, uh, make our ability stronger and better to to cope with uh, people who do come down with this illness. Because the president's done a lot of things. I'm not certain. We didn't hear about him much in the first debate. This gives him a chance to sort of articulate the, the steps that he's taken, whether it's Operation Warp Speed to develop vaccines, appointing the Army logistics chief to be able to oversee the production and distribution of it, you name it. He's now got a chance to explain that to yeah. the American people in an address perhaps from the Oval Office or from the White House on, on Thursday or Friday. And look, there's so many people that recovered. We don't keep that stat. Uh, plus, whatever it is, it's much greater because so many people are asymptomatic. Tom Tillis is asymptomatic. Senator Mike Lee is asymptomatic. Kaylee McEnany is on the Business Channel now. She's asymptomatic. Two of her staffers asymptomatic. How many people don't get tested because they don't think they've been exposed and have it? So people recover. So you could focus on the 208,000. They deserve to be respected. They didn't deserve to die. Get it. But at the same time, you can't tell 330 million people Whatever you do, don't go out, don't go to school. Wherever you go, get right home, wear a mask, fine. But at what point do you go about your life? If Donald Trump is getting criticism for standing on a balcony alone, 500 feet from the nearest person, uh, way up, away from the cameraman, and then he goes into an empty room, they say, why did you take off the mask? Because you're a rational human being and no one, you know no one's around? If you're alone in your car, you don't need to wear a mask. one 408 7669 I'll take your calls in a second, then welcome in Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. We'll talk about what Beto O'Rourke said. He said it's Joe Texas is Joe Biden's to lose. Does he believe that? Uh, and then we'll have you weigh in. Again, we have not talked about the VP debate. I have some definite thoughts about that. Don't move. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, thanks for being here. We have a lot to discuss, and, you know, everyone's trying to get the most news as possible. We appreciate you being part of the show. Good ratings going through the roof, and it's all about you and your loyalty. Uh, Meanwhile, people look around and they watch television, and if you're not watching Fox, all you think is President Trump is destroying the country. And uh, he is such an inept politician, and he's so not worthy of the office. Has anyone noticed that the worst candidate in my lifetime is Joe Biden? Not only when he was in his prime did he fail, now that he's way out of his prime, he's failing. We're just not paying attention, nor is he doing much campaigning. Last night at a town hall, here's a listen at some of the moments with the friendliest questions you've ever heard in a undecided town hall event. Listen. 210,000 people have died. If you put this mask on between now and January, you'll save 100. He said we, it's more important than a virus, excuse me, than a vaccine. You know people have had COVID. I hope you, I'd be, I'd be wonderful you didn't. I used to stutter when I was a kid. I learned how to fight. I got a nickname. They called me shoe leather. I was little, but they could beat me up, but they hurt, I hurt them in the process. Okay, that makes no sense, shoe leather, right? That means you could take a punch, shoe leather. That means you have thick skin. Uh, what is he talking about? I mean, he had a terrible town hall, easiest questions possible, and he's still not being able to function. And I'm not comparing him to Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Ronald Reagan. I'm comparing him to himself. And when we did hear Joe Biden speak clearly, no one liked him. They liked him as a person, but not as a politician. Incredible. And no one even talks about that because Donald Trump got out. Okay, it's bigger news, but it's not the only news. So the president came out of the office. One thing I I think that was great that Joe Biden kept his powder dry and pulled ads. He said uh, hate ads against Trump and Barack Obama made that nice statement. I think that's classy. I think we got to get back to that more and more. But uh, Joe Biden is a terrible candidate. He's not going to be running the show. And if President Trump is smart, he will let him talk this time. Jerry, listening in Gainesville, Florida, on WOKV. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Brian. Uh, I do know a worst candidate. His name is Donald J. Trump. Uh, the country's on fire. It's shut down. People are rioting, looting. This is all happening under his watch. I understand you live in your little Ponte Vedra bubble, 
But trust me when I tell you, this I'm in New York City, where it is the worst ever in my in lifetime. Would you say you live in Pontevedra? No, I live in New York City. Amazing. Sorry, but it's not amazing. You guys dropping the ball. You guys, the worst candidate for this country. Our, our, our debt is ridiculous. Our deficit is trillions. And you're not saying anything about it. You conservative Republican. We need the conservative Brian to come back out because where are you talking about? All right, Jerry. Debt? So let's break it down one by one. Are you ready? So what do you want to talk about? The lockdown? What candidate wants to unlock? Where are they unlocked? Texas, Florida, Ohio. Where are they looking at? Montana. Where are they where they're having success? Where is the unemployment at 16.7% New York City? Where is it in California? 16%. Where are the taxes through the roof? Almost every blue state. Now, technically, you could say if you're, the, if you're a general in the Army, you're responsible for all, all the divisions underneath you. If you're the Allied commander of NATO. But if you have a problem with one of the armies in NATO, you could say technically I'm in charge. But it's up to the commanders below. And the commanders are the governors. So people like you, Jerry, that point out rightly that the deficit's too high because we had to write a multi-trillion dollar check because of a pandemic that's not a Democrat's fault or a Republican's fault. And if Joe Biden wins, he's going to find out the same thing that France found out, that the U.K. found out, that Israel found out, that Spain found out, that we're seeing in Brazil and India, that in free societies, that it is almost impossible to lock down a country and survive. And you could point to Taiwan, which is an island, or South Korea, congratulations. But in the real world, this thing is uncontainable until we get a vaccine or a therapeutic. But on spending, on riots, do you really think Donald Trump is responsible for the riots? Can you tell me? Yeah. Can you tell me outside? This is, what, Joe, this is a, a truck that Donald Trump could have driven through. When he said, when Chris Wallace said, the riots aren't just in blue states. They're also in places like Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, one day. Where are they? In Portland, Seattle, Chicago, Kenosha. They all go out of control when outside forces come in and wreak havoc in these cities. Do you think it's the Trump people or supporters that are doing that? Yeah. There are supporters. <laughs> You're not seeing who's, who's actually rioting and burning? I'm seeing it. If you if you're pretending that Trump supporters are rioting, Jerry, are you saying Trump supporters are rioting? They came in after a hundred days into Portland. Some of these militia, these some of these groups, and the people that brought up Proud Boys was this guy named Joe Biden. Hear me, Brian. So you're okay with the Proud Boys? You won't condemn white supremacists? Of course. That, that one thing, one thing. I cannot tell you anything about the Proud Boys except for I watched them interviewed on another channel. A Hispanic guy said that they don't even, they're not. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Even mostly white. I have no idea about these groups, but they are not the problem in Portland. They're the response to the cops who have been neutered by radical left mayors and governors. That's the fact. June, listening in Vancouver, Washington. June. Hi, Brian. Hey, what's on your mind, June, real quick? Um, well, I want to kind of counter counter your last caller's um, mess about Portland. Portland's not been going on since Donald Trump. It's not been going on for 100 days. It's been going on for years. Rose City Antifa set up in 2007, and they actually have a Twitter account. Um, there's Portland Antifa. And I used to be an Uber driver, and I used to see these guys all the time, and I will no longer Uber down in Portland because of this. But years ago, years ago, like three to four years ago, Antifa came in and demanded Ted Wheeler shut down what what we equate to your fleet week in New York. And, June, good point. I did not know the history of that, but I know no president, any president, cannot go in there and steamroll a city without the permission of a mayor. And the mayor and governors do not want Donald Trump's federal agents in there. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I did get very frustrated. I did get frustrated. And I should have said this is a clownish undertaking instead of calling him a clown. But the fact is it was, uh, I'll be very honest with you. I think it was embarrassing for the nation to see the president of the United States just hectoring like he did. And everything was about a personal attack. Well, you called him a racist. You called him the worst president ever, and you did call him a clown. Those are just the things I remember off the top of my head. Now, I thought the president was way too aggressive, didn't let him finish. It would have worked to his advantage to finish. But I think that Joe Biden really got a pass on that. Joining me now is Lieutenant Colonel uh, Alan West, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas uh, and senior fellow at the Media Research Center. Uh, Colonel, uh, we're going to have a debate tomorrow night. Before we talk about that, what do you think about Biden's confession? Well, it's not really a confession. Once again, it's, uh, you know, pushing aside, you know, any responsibility whatsoever. You know, there were two people on that uh, debate stage, and if he wants to say it was embarrassing meant for the American people, he took part of that as well. And so I did not see him really, you know, showing me that he could be any more presidential than what he is accusing uh, President Trump of, of not being also. So, you know, I think that you'll see a different path on this uh, debate coming up on Wednesday. I, I believe that you know, Vice President Pence will really force uh, Kamala Harris to talk about policies and talk about her record. Uh, and when we look at the Trump administration record right now, look at the jobs report that just came out for September. So it's going to give uh, Kamala Harris very little wiggle room as far as what she's going to try to use as an attack uh position. And, of course, what she'll try to do is, again, make the, her debate about President Trump. Uh, remember, Tulsi Gabbard tore her apart, and yes. she was never the same person after. Yeah, and I think that you'll see uh, the vice president do the exact same thing. One of the things that I would do as the vice president is, you know, talk about her record as attorney general. Talk about 
you know, how she was, uh, you know, putting in prison young black men for very trivial crimes and the fact that it was President Trump and his criminal justice reform that reversed what she had done and also reversed what uh, Vice President Joe Biden did with his 1994 crime bill. So it's those type of things that he can really, you know, expose her for who she is. And also, if you're going to go on the coronavirus tear, do you keep in mind, Joe uh, Mike Pence has been the one who talks to every governor once a week for the last nine months. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. from Governor Newsom to the governor of Washington, they have praised him as being very responsive and being on top of things. So he's not a doctor. He can't tell you about the vaccine uh, progress, but he can tell you just about everything else. And then he could tell you about the decisions that led to those decisions and what the, you know, and basically what the cause it had when he walked in. And a lot of that was John Bolton switched everything out of the pandemic unit into bioterror because he says they do the same thing. That might have been a mistake, but there was nothing moved out. Nobody was fired. Uh, Let's talk about Texas for a second. Beto O'Rourke was quoted as saying it is Joe Biden's to lose. Well, you know, one of the things and I talked to some local Texas media yesterday about that as well. And I don't I, I don't see Joe Biden being here. I don't see Kamala Harris being here. And so all of this talk about uh, what they want to do in Texas, uh, when you go out on the streets, you don't see that enthusiasm. You don't see uh, the Democrats out block walking or anything of that nature. Uh, I know that it just came out this morning that the Lincoln Project, these former Republican strategists, are going to dump one million dollars here into Texas to uh, message against President Trump, which I find absolutely disgusting. That, you know, here I am as the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, you know, supporting our president, supporting all of our candidates. And we have, quote unquote, Republican strategists uh, who have formed this uh, cabal that want to undermine the work that people are doing. So I think that, you know, between this group, Lincoln Project and, the you know, Mr. O'Rourke and the progressive socialist left, they're not going to have success here in Texas because they can't talk to any of the issues that are important to the people of the state of Texas. They're not Republicans if they're. They're out there on the ground saying, don't vote your cons- don't vote for re- this Republican, vote for the Democrat. How do you do that? Yeah. I mean, basically, there's well, no alternative. There's no third party candidate. So Joe Biden's the answer mm-hmm. with the Lincoln Project because they don't like Donald Trump. Yeah, well, that shows you that this is about them. This is not about this country. This is definitely not about the state of Texas for them to come in and dump a million dollars to try to undermine the work that we're doing here. And and I got to tell you, I'm I'm angry. And if I ever meet someone from this Lincoln Project, we're going to have a very direct conversation uh, because we can't have these type of traitors that are out there. And and I will call them out for exactly that, uh, what they're trying to do here in Texas. You know, they want to support Joe Biden, who wants to destroy the oil and gas industry of Texas, which means that America won't be energy independent anymore. And I don't care what Joe Biden said during the debate. You go to his website, and it clearly states his support for the Green New Deal. We know that Kamala Harris does the same. So, you know, these people with the Lincoln Project, they want to defund the police. They want the, the, the rule of the mob, the chaos and the violence on the streets. So, you know, I don't get these people. I, I think that they are more so into themselves, and I think that they're showing that they lack any semblance of honor, integrity, and character. And we're going to send a resounding message to the Lincoln Project and to Robert Francis O'Rourke, to Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and anybody else that wants to come in here and make Texas look more so like a California. Look, Beto O'Rourke is, is a left-wing Democrat. We know who he is. At least he exposes himself. Joe Biden 
is not exposing what he'll say and what he'll do. He's not even exposing the protocols his staff is going through when it comes to the coronavirus, which he's telling he's ridiculing Donald Trump for doing. Having said that, the Lincoln Project really offended me because they call it Operation Sam Houston. I know. And and that's even more offensive because, you know, I'm a graduate of the University of Tennessee. And when you think about Sam Houston and all of those Tennessee He's volunteers governor. and all of the Texians, yeah, the governor, uh, president of, of the Republic of Texas, second president, and I believe the fourth president of the Republic of Texas, and they want to take that name, that that's despicable because Sam Houston acted with a sense of patriotism and honor. I don't know what these people are acting with a sense of. So the president of the United States said this when he got off the plane yesterday, cut one. The guy got off Marine One and went to his house, cut one. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. So the president's saying you can beat it. I'm proof of it. I'm 74 years old and I'm back home in 72 hours. Democrats could not be more outraged by that statement. They said it was irresponsible and insensitive because what about the 209,000 that didn't Beat it. Your answer. Well, let's go back to the moments after the attack on Pearl Harbor, when the president of the United States of America, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, stood up and said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So what's the difference? Uh, you know, we had just had a, a horrific, you know, uh, event there at Pearl Harbor. Sailors lost their lives, you know, soldiers, Marines. Uh, it was a horrible moment, a day that will live in infamy. And I think what the president is showing is that we are better than this and we can rise above this. So I think that it will go down in the same manner that, you know, Roosevelt. You know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And no leader uh, should want to instigate fear into the people that he's called to lead. What you want them to do is, is have a hope and believe that they can triumph over anything no matter how bad it may seem. So kudos to the president for having gone through this and come out on the other side and encouraging people to stand up and realize that they can, uh, you know, overcome this as well. And, and let's be honest, you know, the CDC put out the report, only 6%, maybe 6 or 7% of the deaths of COVID-19 are because of COVID-19 by itself. You know, 94 or some odd percent of Americans have had other comorbidities, being a type 2 diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, and, uh, uh, obesity issues. So I think that's something that we can learn from this. All right. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, he's in charge of the Texas GOP and says it is still in, it's still Trump country. It is still Trump country, and we're having Trump trains all over the place, and especially down in Rio Grande Valley, places like Laredo. So, again, the Lincoln Project, along with Mr. O'Rourke and the left, they're going to face a good defeat in less than a month here in Texas. All right. Uh, go get him. Thanks, Colonel. Yes, sir. All right, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by you. I'm going to be able to take some more of your calls and uh, to go through some of your emails. Uh, keep in mind, speaking of Texas, go pick up Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, a true Texas story that will get you inspired for America. 
There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The president could be going back to the White House and become a long hauler. Someone who has consequences from this a virus. He should not be dealing with it politically to make it look like he overcame the virus because he's had such good policies. As president of the United States, if he is acting frivolously with this virus, as he has done all along, he has been very destructive and dangerous to the country. And look at how panicked she is that he is back in action to a degree. Not saying he could never relapse, but his doctors might know more than Nancy Pelosi, believe it or not. She's panicked. Do you think she's worried about his welfare for a second? Eric, listen on WDBO in Orlando. Eric. Hey, Brian, right on, right on cue as usual. Um, I'm just a little taken back by the media and their questioning. And, like, for example, they asked the doctor, what exactly is your role as a doctor? I mean, these, these people are paid. Um, it, it's amazing. But the, the main thing about this COVID virus, my wife's a respiratory therapist, and they've been, like Trump said, they've learned a lot. It does affect the lungs, but it's not an issue with the lungs. It's with the, the bloodstream's ability to carry oxygen. And now we find out, according to the AMA, that ventilators actually kill people. So they also stated that Donald Trump is no longer communicable, and he's out and about. So he's my hero right now, Brian. The guy's 74 and admittedly overweight. He's out there. Um, I mean, you can't ask for a, for a more Superman. you got to nail his feet down. He probably wants to find bills and invite more Middle East countries over here to get in on the treaty. I mean, how can anybody so, fault Eric, this guy? So I just got an email just while you were talking. says, Cindy writes me and said, what do you say to someone with cancer or heart trouble? You can beat this? The answer is yes. And the answer is get in there, get some, uh, get, uh, get some medical care, do what the doctor said, and you got to have that mindset. You can beat this. If you go in there saying it is over, that is not the mindset you want to have. I've, she's exactly expressing the president's point. Am I correct? So he's gone. But that, that's what the president's saying. He's not saying diminishing the threat. He's saying have the mindset to beat it. I'm 74. I just beat it. William, listen, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. William. Brian, actually, it's WTRC out of uh, Granger, South Bend. Um, uh, yeah, my fault. Okay, that was not right. a problem. Okay, so anyhow, a couple of things. You know, people ask me on a regular basis, how are you doing? I say I'm fantastic, but I'm going to get better. And absolutely what you're talking about is the mindset. If you go into it the right mindset, you're going to beat this. My wife tells me on a regular basis, you don't think anything's ever going to touch you. I'm going to have the mindset that it's not going to, and I'll deal with it if it does. I do believe that some people have taken this the wrong way and have been very concerned about his statements. But the thing is, they're living in fear, and they're living in fear because of everything they've heard from the drive-by media. You know, the number of 200,000, that's a bogus number. How many of these reported deaths from COVID have been not really COVID-related deaths? But it's all been reported that way because, again, the drive-by media is still in fear. And when it comes to the uh, the investigation that with Comey and Peter Strzok and Lisa, 
You know what? You start throwing one of them in jail, I think you'll start seeing some people start singing and telling what the real story is. I know. And by the way, uh, they're hoping just to run out the clock. That's why McCabe canceled his appearance. You watch. Now, if you put on CNN, I don't want you to, but if you put it on, you'll see a thing on the right side that says, how many tests? 210,000. How many cases? 7 million. I got it. You watch that go away if Joe Biden takes over because they'll be in a totally different side. And Joe Biden's going to say, I'm going to keep the economy shut down because I'm responsible and destroy the country. Or number two, I'm going to open it up and the whole other thing was an act. Thanks so much, William. That, by the way, I say that every day. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to get sick. I say it to myself every day. Do I think there's a possibility of me getting sick? Absolutely. But I'm going to approach it positive. It drives my family crazy. I say I'm never going to get a cold. Don't worry about it. I'm not sick. And that's how I've always done things. That's what the president's trying to say. Uh, Scott, listening in Florida. Scott, WOKV. Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Good. Hey. Um, you guys run a false narrative. And and stay with me here. Uh, no matter what anybody says, you're going to find in Trump. And, and Democrats do it, too. They try and, and cherry pick and find the best points. And, of course, there's nothing anything wrong with what your guy does. And, you know, it's... And, you know, Democrats will do the hey, same thing. You know what I do, Scott? I really think you should just Google my name. Because if you saw me yesterday, I had these two stories out of me being critical of the president. And if you just, just Google it, and if you look at the top six stories, four of which are negative on the president, two, of course, are, are hits on me, and they're not looking to compliment me, because I'm being honest. And if I was 74 years old and I had shortness of breath and a fever and I'm able to get this treatment, feel this virus, understand the danger of it and tell people this is the mindset to have, I'm all ears. So I personally said that he should have stayed in. I would have stayed at Walter Reed because stay make it easier for the doctors to treat you. Take an extra day, be done with the remdesivir and come back in another day under your belt. Can I finish my point? Real quick, because I got other callers. Okay. Uh, Yeah, because I I tried to finish it, and you just go into the— Because I have to correct you. All right. Because you said everything the guy says, I praise. That's wrong. He increased the debt by 70%. Now you're worried about debt. You know he wrote trillions of dollars worth of debt because of the pandemic. Go ahead. Talk over, and you're not going to listen. Listen, Scott. Any listen, you can't. Now you're worried you about don't debt. Want to go off narrative? Now, no, uh, there's no narrative. Now you're talking about debt. You, I'm, <laughs> dude, you don't want to go off narrative or hear anybody else's side. It's red herrings. All you should. Right. Oh, exactly. Um, so, Scott, let me ask you: Do you think you'd say the debt is bad? Right? I agree. Do you want a rescue package coming out right now? <laughs> He's he's sending us down the tubes. Are you? Are you do you want a rescue package? Industry? Do you want a rescue package? What does agri- farming do you, look like do, in do, America do, do, do right what, now? Because do, of Trump. What does Florida look Trump like? You have a tomahawk missile now because of Trump. Oh my goodness! What a waste. Greg, listen in Enid, Oklahoma, KGWA. Good morning, Brian. Um, reason I was calling was um, I, I, I've sat and watched Trump uh, for the last four years. Wasn't a big uh, fan at the beginning, but I've sat and watched him do exactly what he said he was going to do. Whenever he announced that he had COVID, just about two weeks prior to that, my brother, who had stage four cancer, he's in the process of chemo right now. Him and his wife both came down with chemo. She went to the hospital. She's the younger of the two. 
They sent her home just like they did the president. After about three days, they got her breathing back correct, sent her home with some medicine. They did exactly the same thing the president did. Exactly. And, hey, Greg, unfortunately, well, I'm up against a break. I should have went to you quicker. So I wasted my time with that other caller. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Enid, Oklahoma. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. BrianKilmeade.com. This is where I can read what you have to say as well as hear it. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. going to be a big hour. I'm going to be joined by Congressman Jim Jordan, who was on Air Force One with the President of the United States. President needs Ohio. This guy dominates Ohio. He'll be with us live. We'll do a simulcast on television, Varney and Company. Uh, we'll talk to Stuart Varney about a few things. We'll talk to him about the NBA Finals uh, are unbelievably lowly rated, all the, the lowest rating in memory. They might blame it on football. I think it's a lot to do with the activism because you got the high-profile teams, Miami Heat, Pat Riley, LeBron James, L.A. Lakers. Still nobody cares. Uh, we'll talk about that with him. Also talk about Jennifer Rubin saying that basically you should uh, get rid of Walter Reed because they let Donald Trump out of the hospital. Uh, insanity. Steve Ducey will be with us. Got his best-selling book out, uh, and we'll talk about what's happening in the news. So the, all that coming your way, as well as what you have to say at one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. Judge Barrett will be there in person. I will be there in person. She will be confirmed this year. Democrats will have plenty of time to ask her hard, relevant questions. If they try to destroy her, it will blow up in her in their face like it did with Kavanaugh. Supremely confident they can uh, get Amy Coney Barrett through, confirmed, and seated on the Supreme Court. That, according to Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham. Is that the right thing to do? We'll bring you the latest legal political death match. I say yes. Number two. The candidates will be separated by plexiglass and seated by more than 12 feet apart. There will be no handshake. The candidates will not be wearing masks. It'll be moderated by USA Today's Susan Page. It's going to be 90 minutes long, uh, broken up into nine 10-minute segments. Uh, That is uh, Griff Jenkins laying out the VP debate rules. Nine, Nine topics in 90 minutes? Forget it. The new rules, the stakes, both fight for themselves, their running mates, and for their political future. Can you say 2024? Number one. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. Don't let it dominate your lives. Heartless. It is cruel. What does that mean, don't be afraid of it? It's a contagious disease that kills people. So disrespectful. I mean, it's outrageous. There you go. Uh, He's back. Let the praise and the critics, you just heard, Sound off. What's the best message for the president of the United States as he tries to get back on track running the country and running a campaign uh, and the medical hurdles that still lie ahead? And listen, the president of the United States is still on steroids. He has one more uh, one more dose of remdesivir to get. He's already gotten his one Regeneron, which is a kind of an antibody cocktail. He says he feels better than ever. I actually think he does. You know why? He's had a chance to rest, number one. Number two, he's actually taken vitamins. He's taken uh, zinc, vitamin D, melatonin, daily aspirin. And I think that he is revitalized, and hopefully he ate good. He doesn't eat well. 
But he's got incredible energy, incredible focus, and I think he wants to win more than anything else. So he's got that steroid he's still going to be on, and there could be a setback. They say it takes seven days for the virus to really take its course to make sure he doesn't take a turn for the worse, so it's a bit of a risk. But his doctor says, good move, cut three. Cut three. The president has continued to improve. He's met or exceeded all standard hospital discharge criteria. He'll receive another dose of remdesivir here today, and then we plan to get him home. Though he may not entirely be out of the woods yet, the team and I agree that all our evaluations, and most importantly, his clinical status, support the president's safe return home, where he'll be surrounded by world-class medical care 24-7. And he's returning to a facility, the White House Medical Unit, that's staffed 24-7, top-notch, physicians, nurses, PAs, logisticians, and uh, the unit here, uh, the team here behind me is going to continue to support us in that nature. All right, so here we go. So the president gets out, Marine One, dramatically, he walks out, thumbs up, pops a Marine One, 10-minute ride, ends up at the White House, comes up, takes his mask, says thumbs up, he says hello to everybody, takes his mask off and walks inside. That outraged everybody, and I'm not sure why. Why? Because it's anything he does. Number two, they fear him. They fear that he could be back on track. They fear that he just beat the virus that everyone's scared to death that it would be impossible to do or perceived impossible to do. You know, with CNN, with their 24 hours, here are the number of cases. Uh, the MSNBC, here's the state-by-state cases. We know it's serious. Everybody knows it's serious. We know it's serious in Paris. Serious in Paris, it's shut down. We know it's serious in London. Basically, the country's two-thirds shut down. We know it's serious in Russia. Even though they lie to us like crazy and they allegedly have a vaccine, it's hitting them again. Iran has been brought to its knees, all-time cases. Uh, So has India. Uh, So has Israel. Brazil is now number one. India is now number two. We're number three and dropping. We know it. But it was also very survivable. And that's what we see with Robert O'Brien, who is his national security advisor. That's Kaylee McEnany who's been on television already today. Uh, we see staffers will probably be back on track shortly. And here's what the president's message is. Cut to. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better. Right. So you think, okay, that's the president's approach. Of course he knows it's dangerous. Even though he chose chose not to say it, he lost five really good friends. All around his age, all in the same business. Talked to them, they were optimistic, and they died. So you think you have to tell him how risky it is? Boris Johnson, younger than him, almost died, but they've learned a lot more. They learned to avoid the rest of the uh, ventilator on all costs, almost all costs. And we don't know the damage to the president's lungs. I get it. We don't know that the president's out of the woods. I understand it. But still, that's the course he told to take. He, he chose to take. And I know what he's saying. Think optimistically. Don't work through it. Walk through it. Cut seven is the outrage. Oh, my goodness, Nicole. When I saw that Trump, I mean, I I literally was overwhelmed. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless. It is uh, 
cruel. What does that mean, don't be afraid of it? I mean, first of all, it's, it's a contagious disease that kills people. There's nowhere to even begin. It's just so horrible, so, so destructive to say, I feel better than I have in 20 years. He's saying this is so disrespectful. The president says it's no big deal. Uh, I mean, it's outrageous. It's disgraceful, Wolf. It's absurd. You hear all those news reporters? Those news anchors, Wolf Blitzer, I don't hear any opinion there. Of course you hear an opinion. Jake Tapper, I don't hear any opinion there. Of course you hear an opinion. Bob Woodward, a journalist, now he's an advocate against Trump. He might as well join the Lincoln Project, although he's not a Republican. So the president can reset now. Does he, if, I think it bothers him most that he survived. Cut eight. By Donald Trump being able to come home after a few days and saying this is something that we can't have our whole lives be in fear of is completely contradictory to the message that they wanted to send. And it's why they haven't been honest about the actual case fatality rate associated with coronavirus. It is a bad thing. You do want to take it seriously, but you don't want to destroy your entire life or your entire country. And yet many people in the media want just that, it seems like. Yeah, there's no question. one 866 408 Dean, listen on WRCN Long Island. Dean. Yes, good morning, Brian, the magic man. How are you this morning? Good, Dean. What's on your mind? Listen, it's listen, it's very scary out there because Biden's holding the seat at the dinner table for Kamala Harris. If B- Biden's weak, he's not a strong person, and all his policies online, the policies advocating, if we were $200 trillion in a surplus, let's give free medical to everybody. Nothing's free in life. It's going to destroy our country. And guess what? Bernie Sanders says he's going to be running health care if, if Joe Biden wins. That's his quote. I'll be running the national health care policy if Biden wins. So someone should tell Joe Biden uh, that he beat the socialists, but the socialist feels like he's going to be in power if he wins. Thanks, Dean. When we come back, Jim Jordan joins us from Ohio, then Steve Ducey, and we'll take some calls in between. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. When uh, the president told me... He was headed back to the White House. He told me to head to Utah. And we're looking very much forward to the vice presidential debate. The stakes in this election have never been higher. Uh, The choice has never been clearer. And I look forward to the opportunity to take our case to the American people for four more years. So that is a very optimistic Vice President Mike Pence, who I think he loves the spotlight. He does not mind taking a backseat to the president. No one's been more loyal. I mean, no one. I mean, outside his family. And what he's and he's so different from the president. No one would argue that either. And he's standing by the president, provides the legislative background, gives him some nuances, knows the people, knows the faces. And when it came to the coronavirus, he took the lead. And when it came to the corona, uh, when it came to the coronavirus, also, he's the one who implemented all. He was the liaison between the White House and and individual states, including Ohio, where Jim Jordan uh, is there. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. How are you doing today? Good. First off, did you pass your test? I know you're an Air Force One with the president. Do you know yeah, if you had a yeah. positive? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, we we were uh, negative, and we had that test uh, taken last Friday and found out Friday afternoon. So yeah, we we were negative, and frankly, we weren't we weren't uh, we were according to the doctor, we were outside the the, the parameters. Uh, we weren't going to have to quarantine. Uh, uh, we don't have to quarantine uh, with the, with the negative results. So we're we're fine. We're out and about across the great state of Ohio today. So are you stunned about the media backlash? Oh my goodness! To the president yeah. leaving and talking optimistically about the virus beating the virus yeah i mean it, it, it's almost like the mainstream press and 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 some of the democrats are 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 uh upset that that the president recovered so quickly and that things went so well i mean the whole country was praying for the president that means it seems to me like you know some of these media people are upset that he that he recovered so well and you know we're obviously we're happy for that uh, it's, it's great that the president the first lady are doing is, is so well um uh but yeah you know this is just par for the course the press has been after this this president since uh since he first took office, and the FBI, as we know, was after him even before he took office. So, Jim, the other thing is they're saying that it's heartless to say you can beat this, dominate it, don't live in fear of this. It's heartless to the 210,000 that have lost their lives. What do you say to that? I'm saying the president's being optimistic, the president's being a leader. The president, you know, Brian, you, you competed in sports. You know how your coach your coach doesn't say, oh, this is, gonna, this is a terrible situation. Let's not – you you want, you want to think positive. You want to be positive. You want to think about the good thing. That's the American optimism that is that has been central to this this experience as a nation for over two hundred and some years. We're the country. We're the people that think optimistically. We're the people who confront challenges. We're the people who deal with things and get the job done. That's all the president's expressing. But of course, the mainstream press, who's been on this guy from day one. Can't see that they can't see what is great, so great about this country and the optimistic attitude this country has historically and always had. That, that, that is just frustrating. It's ridiculous, but uh, I think again most Americans see it, and it's one of the elements that's going to play into this election in four weeks when the president wins our state and when he wins re-election. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went. I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great. Like, And what he's trying to say is, this is my journey. Yeah. And the backlash he got from coming home I never, I never expected to this level. Yeah, well, th- th- this is today's left. This is today's cancel culture mindset out there. If you don't agree with them, they attack. They try to destroy you, and they've done it to countless people. You know what they've tried to do to people in the world of sports. You know what they tried to do to Mike Gundy, the football coach. They're, they, and they've been trying, as I said before, they've been trying to do this to the president from uh, from day one. The other thing the president is is expressing there is. The treatments have gotten better over the last several months. The president, the president said in his own comments, we've learned a great deal. We've learned a lot more. And, and that is evident as well. So uh, we, we, know, we know better how this virus, how it attacks, who it attacks, who's most vulnerable. We know things now that we didn't know at the end of March or we didn't know at the beginning of April. Um, he's expressing all that, too. But, again, this is today's left. And it's why this election is so important, Brian. I've been saying this across, the, across our district. This election boils down to one 
fundamental question. Can America remain America? The values, the principles, the ideals, the institutions that make us the special, the most special nation ever, can we preserve those? Because if the left gets control, they will destroy those fundamentals that make our country the best. And that's what's at stake. And that's why I think people are going to come out in a big way, despite what these polls might say, and they're going to reelect President Trump. Well, right now, the president is not leading in the in most uh, almost every Ohio poll. It's a state that you would think you'd be pretty secure in. What do you see on the ground? How is it same, the same or different from 2016? It's exactly the same. Trump flags, Trump signs, American flags, uh, Trump flags flying side by side. You see them everywhere. You hardly need to see any Biden signs. They're having these Trump parades, boat parades. We, they had a Trump parade through our county last uh, on, on Sunday. So you feel the same energy, the same intensity that you felt before. Understand this, Brian. Cato did a survey. So let's assume you can trust this survey because it wasn't per se political. Cato does a survey. They, they ask Americans, do you feel like you can freely express yourself? 62% of Americans said they're reluctant in today's cancel culture environment. They're reluctant to express their thoughts and their feelings. So if 62% of Americans are, 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 are un, uh, unlikely and, and unwilling to express themselves, might they be a little less than straightforward when they get a political poll asking about President Trump? I think the answer to that question is obvious. So these polls are no different than they were in 16. Americans understand if you speak out now, many Americans understand if you speak out, you're going to get attacked by the mob. But they know when they walk into that voting booth, when it's just them and God in that voting booth, they can vote how they want and the mob can't get them. And that's what's going to happen on Election Day. I'm convinced of it. All right. So I want you to hear what CNN's analyst said. Cut 19. Joe Biden is winning across the board, except the economy, where they're basically within a margin of error. But on the coronavirus, um, Biden has almost 60 percent and uh, Donald Trump has 40 percent. So, I mean, that's not even close. But there's not one thing Joe Biden has said that's been somewhat interesting, intriguing (laughs) or different, except for lock it down. Listen to the scientists. Yeah, it's and imagine what she mentioned the economy in there. Imagine what our economy would be doing. If six of the 11 most populous states weren't still largely locked down, think about it. the great American comeback we're experiencing in spite of the fact New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Illinois, and California are still largely locked down. Six of our 11 most populous states, and yet we are still seeing an amazing comeback, job growth increasing, and, and we know where we were before this virus. I think Americans re- remember that. Of course the press is going to say this. They did this – what was it, an election day uh, four years ago? There was a 91 percent likelihood that Hillary Clinton was going to be president of the United States. But by 3 in the morning, with all the long faces on CNN, things had changed because the American people went and spoke. So, I, I, again, I think the same dynamic is in play right now. I think the same dynamic is going to play out right now uh, or going to play out over the next, uh, next 28 days. Have you spoken to the president since he got the virus? I spoke to him on Sunday. He sounded great. Uh, this was, uh, you know, he, he said he felt great, thought, thought he was going to be heading home soon. Um, every time I talk with the president, in person, on the phone, I— there is an energy about the guy that you know, Brian. You've spoke to him many times. Um, there's a charisma about the guy. There's a love for the country that comes through. And I tell every audience I speak to, I wish every American could spend time with the president because you just, you just sense what the, the love he has for the country and, uh, and the, 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 the charisma and the energy he has. And he sounded as, as good as he always does on Sunday. And, of course, we saw it yesterday when he got to the White House, uh, you know, that he looked gotcha. great. Um, showing that he's a leader. Congressman, thanks so much. Glad you're okay. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show we all remain cautiously optimistic um, and on guard uh, because we're in a bit of uncharted territory when it comes to a patient that received the therapies he has so early in the course Um, so we're looking to this weekend if we can get through to monday with him remaining the same or improving better yet uh, then we will all take that final deep sigh of relief. Hey, that was Dr. Connolly, Sean Connolly, doing that just outrageous thing, and that is letting the president go home. Uh, welcome back, everybody. If you're watching on Fox Nation, Steve Ducey has made his way into the studio. Steve is one of two guests I have seen in person in seven months mm-hmm. in this studio. And think, twice. Yeah, You've and, seen me twice right. in a week. Carly Shimkus was in, and I think, is that it, Eric? Is that, that's the only people allowed in our studio, yeah. He's only been cleared, although we took our long-form test today, right? It wasn't. It, it's the new kind where you spit in a tube. Yeah. Uh, I have had the, the, the thing that tickles your brain. That oh, foot, you had that one? Th- yeah, not good. Uh, and I had the antibody test, right. which is a blood test. And did you take that? Did you, did you have antibodies? Not a single one. Okay. It was just I, – I, I'm a little disappointed because I felt like after we came back from the Super Bowl – uh, which was in Miami. We didn't know at the time it was kind of a hot spot. Uh, I had chills a couple of nights, and then I had uh, like some hot flashes, uh, apparently unrelated to COVID. Maybe it was the Star Spangled Banner. It always gives you chills. Maybe that could be <laughs> it. Uh, Steve's book is number one or number two in the country. Uh, it's probably going to come out huge on the on the bestseller list. It's called Happy in a Hurry uh, Cookbook, and we'll talk about more of that in a second, Steve. But while we were on the air. The outrage on other networks that the president survived the coronavirus yeah. is off the charts. Have you heard some of this backlash? Well, I I haven't. I wish you had like a, a montage of different voices, perhaps people from other channels right, talking off, about stuff like somebody that. Somebody measured who seems just so concerned about the president's welfare. Her name goes, how do you say the last name? Pelosi? Hmm. Uh, cut six. The president could be going back to the White House and become a long hauler. Someone who has consequences from this uh, virus. He should not be dealing with it politically to make it look like he overcame the virus because he's had such good policies. As president of the United States, if he is acting frivolously with this virus, as he has done all along, he has been very destructive and dangerous to the country. And then he could win, Steve. If If it looks like he overcame the virus, he could win. What happened to the two of them? Weren't they really good friends at one point? No, I don't think so. <laughs> they don't even speak to each other. But yesterday, Steve Mnuchin and Nancy Pelosi talked, what, three hours, two or three hours? Something. What could they be talking about? Uh, exactly. Well, not the president, obviously. The rescue package. They need to make a deal because both parties will be punished if they don't. I mean, the Democrats feel like uh, Trump is already vulnerable. So it's like, okay, we can't get everything we want. We can't bail out every city and state. So how, how far will can we can we get... From uh, Steve Mnuchin. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how far that is because he's he's like Monty Hall right now. Let's make a deal. You're a busy guy. You're on a book tour, a virtual book tour. Yeah. I don't know if you saw 
The Lester Holt hosted town hall last night, did you? All I have heard about it, and I have heard from several people, I did not see it because it was past my bedtime, um, is they had a whole bunch of people who supposedly were were undecided, but they really were kind of decided. They right. all uh, wanted Joe. Most of their last names were Biden. I don't <laughs> understand. They said they hadn't made up their mind yet. Uh, here's a little of Joe Biden trying to be coherent. Cut 11. Hmm. 210,000 people have died. If you put this mask on between now and January, you'll save 100. Uh, he, he said we, it's more important than a virus, than, excuse me, than a vaccine. You know people have had COVID. I'm, I hope you, I'd be, I'd be wonderful if you didn't. I used to stutter when I was a kid. I learned how to fight. I got a nickname. They called me Shoe Leather. I was little, but they could beat me up, but they hurt, I hurt them in the process. I'm so confused by that. I just have a new nickname, isn't it? Shoe Leather. Yeah, because we know Corn Pop was his enemy. Wasn't that his rival? Something like that. Right. So Shoe Leather. Now, what do, is shoe leather a good thing? You means you're tough. You have thick skin. It doesn't mean you you fight back. You yeah, hurt it, the other guy. Brian, right now, look at the bottom of your shoe. Right. It's, that's shoe leather. Right. That, I, I, I don't want to be that nickname. Right. <laughs> by, by the way, you know it's not his nickname. It is today. Right. I mean, do you think that'll come up in the debate? Prove to me your nickname shoe leather. Well, at some point during the next debate, it could be virtual if the president has not had like 17 negative uh, tests. But he could via Zoom say, what'd you say, shoe leather? Hey, shoe leather. Right. I doubt it. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Right. That was last time. <laughs> <That> was- <laughs> it is. He said some interesting things that he doesn't get called out on. Like on September 15th, he said this, cut 16. American public, the blinders have been taken off. They've all of a sudden seen a hell of a lot clearer. They've seen, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. So that means a lot. Um, You know, that soundbite was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, apparently one of our guests today, Rob Smith, uh, had seen it and tweeted it out on Twitter. And he made it sound as if uh, Twitter took it down to protect uh, Joe Biden. Right. Uh, evidently, in context, it, by the way, since when do people care about context? Did you ever see when they sample our sound bites? No one has any clue with the context. I'm not saying they edit them. I'm saying they take excerpts to make us sound insane. Um, here's now someone gave me this in context. So tell me if you feel better about it. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, because the American public, the blinders have been taken off. They're all of a sudden been seeing a hell of a lot clearer. You heard that. Uh, or I got a young Hispanic out there, and these dreamers are out there, 60,000 of them acting as first responders, nurses, and doctors, or all of a sudden people are realizing, my Lord, these people have done so much, not just black, white, and across the board, have done so much for, for me. We can do this. So he's saying make everybody out there who's Hispanic or black, he was point was make them legal. The thing about Joe Biden is, and Brian, we've been talking about this on the Fox and Friends show, is the political left and mainstream media want desperately for him to win because he is not Trump. And they will vote for anybody but Trump. And so are they going to bring stuff up like that? I don't think so. Not right. in this lifetime. This is more of a visual. I'm mm-hmm. just emptying my arsenal here because okay. I, know, I want to give you something you haven't heard 20 times. All right. So, Joe, this is more of a visual thing. Joe Biden in Miami ad-libbing with, in Little Haiti. Okay. Um, featuring Joe Biden as Joe Biden. So this was uh, before Yesterday. the big show last night. Yes. Okay. In Little Haiti. Uh, cut 15. Wouldn't it be an irony 
the irony of all ironies, if on election eve, it turned out Haitians delivered the coup de grace in this election. I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years older, too. Okay. Was he wearing a mask? I think so. Yeah, I'm that or someone uh, was keeping him down. Also, Bernie Sanders quoted yesterday as saying, uh, if Joe Biden becomes president, I'll be in control of the nation's health care. Okay. Uh, you would regard that as like a red flashing light on the dashboard, wouldn't you? I would think so. Yeah. All right. So on the, on the Happy in a Hurry cookbook. Yes, sir. Your approach to this one as opposed to the one you wrote the first time. Brian, nobody has time to cook anymore. Uh, and we heard that people love foods that remind them of happy times, like your family's artichoke uh, pie, which is in this uh, cookbook, or your mother's delicious uh, meatballs, which were in our last cookbook. They love the idea of cooking, but they don't want to spend all day in the kitchen, so we try to make things a little faster. Right, and you tell little stories with them, and most of the people in the book you know, right? Sean Hannity's in here. Who else Who else will I recognize in this book? Uh, your aunt. Right, uh, for, and my Aunt Kathy. Yeah, indeed. Um, Sean Hannity, Marcus Luttrell, Dana Perino, uh, Ainsley. Is, did Kid Rock make the cut? Uh, you know what? Kid Rock's mother... Made some great, um, what are they, ham and cheese sandwiches that are in the tailgate exclusive found only at Walmart. Right. And tailgate's also good if you're kicked out of the house. You have a fight, you're hungry. That's more uh, kind of a, that's. That's less that of a, a sporting tailgate? event. I See, if, if I was kicked out of the house, I wouldn't be eating on the tailgate because that would say to the neighbors, oh, look, he's on the tailgate. I would be inside the car kind of slunk down low. Right. So the, and are you surprised by the success of the books? I know you want to be successful, but here we are in a virtual season where you yeah. can't go out to a tour, can't go to Ohio, can't go to St. Louis, can't go to Orlando. Which we love doing. Right. And now are you surprised? I think it speaks to the fact that people have been locked down for so long, they've run out of things to cook. They just need new ideas. There's 100 new ideas in this cookbook. And, and that's all. You're saying people are bored. I think people are hungry want for something new, and this is new. Right, and that's and also, can I say it's extremely well done? You oh, know, when my you. aunt called me up over the weekend, you were kind enough to sign to her, and she says to me, I can't believe what a great story he wrote in there. So oh, you took you. some time to write the stories. Well, you know, Brian, you and I are, are reporters, really, and we're writers, and so I took— You interviewed you, everybody. I interviewed everybody, and I wrote the story. The way uh, we would do the recipes is my wife would describe how to make it, to me, and then I would figure out how to describe it so that the average person could make it. So right. I was my wife's recipe whisperer. And when you say average person, you're looking at me, right? <laughs> Believe me, I'm not looking at you. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> hey, I, the name of the book is Happy in a Hurry Cookbook. Uh, Steve and Kathy wrote it together. It, it, you're going to recognize all the names, and you're going to get some new ideas, and it's going to be quick because people are in a rush because soon we will not be sequestered as a country. Don't bet on it. All right, Steve, thanks so much. Hey, go to stevedusey.com. I, that does not exist. Uh, Amazon.com? That's even better. I'm going to buy the rights to stevedusey.com. <laughs> Back in a moment, we'll be on Barney and Company. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. 
Welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. I'll be taking your call shortly, 1-866-408-7669. So please be patient. But right now we're going to be going on with Stuart Varney in a matter of moments and be talking uh, first off about Jennifer Rubin's comments that to defund Walter Reed. So let's listen in right. together. 10.51 on the dot. That means it's time for Brian Kilmeade. He miraculously appears at 10.51, <laughs> just like that, always on time. All right, Brian, let's get serious. The Washington Post's Jennifer Rubin calls for the defunding of Walter Reed Medical Facility because she says any doctor who endorses this insanity, I guess that's allowing the president to leave the hospital, needs to lose his or her license. Uh, You've got to be fired up about this one, because I am, Brian. Uh, absolutely. It's unbelievable. I guess she just wasn't getting enough appearances on MSNBC or CNN, so you've got to say something extraordinary in order to get booked, to hear some logic, uh, to get on with guys like uh, Chris Cuomo and, and Don Lemon. So what she's making these comments on is that because Walter Reed is deciding after three days of observation, seeing that he was short of breath on Friday but been no fever since that day, since he's allowed out in 72 hours, you should defund Walter Reed. And as uh, the Washington Examiner's T. Beckett uh, says, never um, says Jennifer Rubin herself is not the insulting thing. The insulting thing is that the Washington Post keeps her around because they think she represents conservatism and lets them tick the diversity on the on the um, of one of those diversity voice boxes. So she is an alleged conservative who is just abhorred that Donald Trump has survived the virus. They're scared to death that President Trump is going to lead our nation out of the virus, move forward, and he's saying, don't be afraid of it. You can't live under the, the virus thumb. I'm, I was cheering all the way down the line. I was cheering when he said that. We need a leader who's going to lead us out, not go backwards towards more and more lockdowns and all the rest of it. I'll give you an example, Stuart. If someone tells you you have cancer, and we hope we never hear that, you don't say to yourself, well, the stats are I'm probably not going to survive. You know it's serious. You know you got to get focused on the treatment. And if you're lucky enough to get through it, you say a lot of it has to do with mindset and approach. So what Trump is saying, man, I lost at least five good friends in his same business from New York City. They were in the same, the roughly the same weight and age category. And he was able to, he feared this virus for nine months. And whatever you want to say for nine months, as reckless as they say he is, didn't get it. Got it. Understood. So he gets it, deals with it, feels the effects of it, works through the therapies on it, understands it, meets with 12 doctors about everything, the pluses and minuses, and what they learned. And he says, you can't cower. you got to attack it. He didn't say there is no danger. He didn't say 210,000 people did not die. But you know what he also points to? How many recovered? So many, we can't even track it. How many get it? How many work through it? I mean, Kaylee McEnany at home with no symptoms at all. Most of the 30 people with the virus are going to be back at work. This guy named Robert O'Brien, the National Security Advisor, got it. Work from home, back in action. It doesn't diminish those who lost their lives. It's dangerous. But we have no choice in life. You can't avoid danger. You can't avoid risk. You've got to meet it head on. Assess the risk and meet it. All right. We're on the same page, Brian, and I'm very glad to say it. Uh, I want to switch gears completely. Because on Friday night, last Friday night, the NBA had only 4.5 million viewers for their finals. That's the lowest uh, number in, what, 40 years, I think it is. What, how do you explain that? I know it was a short season. Are there any other explanations for this? I think it is. I think it's the activism. I don't think there's any question about it. Now, look, there's no fans. There's not, there's not a lot of... of uh, 
uh, fanfare around it. They're not they're playing in a season they never played before. They're taking on baseball playoffs. Hockey's wrapped up and had very low ratings, too. I think they were up 60%. So the NFL is back, and they are off those ratings just a little bit. Uh, and as I mentioned, baseball playoffs. But here's the thing. You have the Lakers, extremely high-profile team. LeBron James, the most high-profile athlete in the world right now. Pat Riley, Miami Heat, their history. He, LeBron James playing against a team in the finals that he used to. He brought a championship to and went to the final. I think two championships and went to the finals the third year. And I'm telling you, there should be a lot of interest in this. There should be a great respite from the virus and the po- politics and the horrible debate that we all witnessed. But people are running away from it. They don't want to be hit in the head with everything they're doing wrong in society, everything that's wrong with America. They don't want it. Not saying that athletes don't have a right to speak out, but when it dominates the talk of your sport, people say, I'll go rake the lawn. You know, yeah. I'll go yeah. see if my sprinklers yeah. are working. You know, yeah. it's time to paint the paneling. It's yep. just not time to watch the game. And by the way, the uh, game, game three was you- unbelievable. You're exactly right. We're on the same page on both subjects. Brian, thank you very much indeed. See you again real soon. Thank okay, you. Stuart, thank you. I will. one 866 Let's go stay in, you know, stay in New York where we are, WABC. Uh, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hi there. Uh, Brian, uh, you're very reminiscent of Hannity. I've been listening to Hannity, too, for That's many, many years. That's a great compliment. Right. But nowadays, I stick to WABC because Hannity doesn't take that many calls. Thank you indeed for taking calls, and you're very generous towards your callers. Now, regarding the president, 100 percent, there is no—with all the policies I've been checking myself, right, I don't find a single policy that is advantageous to to, uh, 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 to uh, Joe Biden, you know, not a single one. All the advantages go to uh, the president. He's done tremendously. He's the most patriotic human being I've ever known, at least officially, you know. Hey, However, Joe, you know what I hear? I hear a lot of people in New York are upset he didn't campaign in New York. They actually think he, he could have made a difference because of how Manhattan's been devastated. Upstate's always liked him. Long Island, he's very much in contention. But the city is where he always lo- Republicans lose it. But with everyone gone from the city, with businesses on its back, uh, a lot of people fear a Joe Biden approach like Governor Cuomo. Real, thought, real quick, your, your thoughts? Yeah, Brian, I was just going to say that regarding the comments he made, the statements, he lost uh, some undecided votes, unfortunately. He could have said simply that he, uh, in view of the fact that he was meeting so many people. Brian Kilmeade Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Thanks Kilmeade. so much for listening, everybody. I'm excited about this hour. Dr. Akanta Ahmed will be with us. She has done such a great job with this coronavirus, to be able to break down uh, where, where the threat is, what it is, and how to treat it. Because she's been in there. She's a doctor. And this, she's been dealing with these patients. And she saw the, 
the worst of the worst. She's written about it. She's been on television about it. She's great to talk about the president's condition because as encouraging as it is, he is not out of the woods yet. That's pretty clear. And now he is not in the Oval Office. They have set him up upstairs, I think, in the map room because they want to be able to have everybody else move freely. There's about 30 different people in and around Trump that have tested positive. So they're short-staffed to begin with, let alone the Trump team that wants to get going out in the road because they feel, and especially in the battleground states, they have a lot of ground to make up. And Senator Rick Scott is in 10 minutes. So uh, we'll find that story. Hey, meanwhile, Fed chair has just come out and said there's some there's we could suffer a big economic collapse if we don't get more rescue packages coming our way, including the one we're working on right now. Evidently, the secretary of Treasury and the Speaker of the House been face to face for hours over the last two days. Can we possibly get something done even as a debate on this show? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Judge Barrett will be there in person. I will be there in person. She will be confirmed this year. Democrats will have plenty of time to ask her hard, relevant questions. Supremely if they try com- to destroy her, it will blow up in her in their face like it did with Kavanaugh. Supremely confident they can get Amy Coney Barrett confirmed despite the timeline. I'm talking about McConnell and Graham. Is this the right thing to do? I say yes. Number two. The candidates will be separated by plexiglass and seated by more than 12 feet apart. There will be no handshake. The candidates will not be wearing masks. It'll be moderated by USA Today's Susan Page. It's going to be 90 minutes long, uh, broken up into nine 10-minute segments. Uh, That is a little about the format. Way too many segments. Way too short a time. But at least we'll have two people speaking instead of yelling at each other. Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. Why I believe Mike Pence will come up big in this. Number one, the coronavirus will be the number one target. He has the answers. And number two, I believe that he is ready to defend this president. And I don't think Kamala Harris actually knows Joe Biden's positions. In fact, I don't know. think she knows her positions. And I'll tell you why. Number one. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. We're the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. Don't let it dominate your lives. Heartless. It is cruel. What does that mean, don't be afraid of it? It's a contagious disease that kills people. So disrespectful. I mean, it's outrageous. Unbelievable the outrage that Donald Trump survived and is defiant. The VP debate we know about. He is back, though. The president is back and told the vice president, Go ahead, go to Utah. Let the praise and critics sound off. What's the best message for the president to bring to the people, to the campaign? And what medical hurdles still lie ahead? What medical hurdles lie ahead? Remdesivir's today. Uh, they want to make sure seven days they doesn't take a turn for the worst. So far, it's been on a fast course to much, much better. So what, what do you do if you're the president of the United States? And the number one issue is the pandemic, a virus you had nothing to do with, that we have not had a dry run or a past uh, uh, war to go through. You can't say this reminds me of a previous administration. You can't even go back to 1918. So what you have is a dishonest China who did not give us a heads up on the virus, nor have they let us in there to examine where it started. So what I think is you got to turn to Karl Rove. If you want a strategy where for a 74-year-old man to beat it, who happens to be the president that wants four more years, Karl Rove says, take a look at where you've been, take a look at how you've handled it, and come up with a plan and a message. Cut nine. This is a chance for the president to say, I understand personally 
what it is to confront this. I understand the concerns of ordinary Americans about this because I myself have, have worried about this for myself, my wife, my family, the impact on my colleagues at the place that I work. I understand this. And I want you to know what it is that we are doing to confront this. And I want to share with you what we have been doing to make it better, uh, make our ability stronger and better to, to cope with uh, people who do come down with this illness. Because the president's done a lot of things. I'm not certain. We didn't hear about him much in the first debate. This gives him a chance to sort of articulate the, the steps that he's taken, whether it's Operation Warp Speed to develop vaccines, appointing the Army logistics chief to be able to oversee the production and distribution of it, you name it. He's now got a chance to explain that yeah. to the American people in an address perhaps from the Oval Office or from the White House on, on Thursday or Friday. Well, there you go. Call Rove. That's, uh, that's what I would do, Mr. President, pay attention. But one thing is the president also has to pay attention to what Joe Biden does. He's coming out like a savior. He said, I'm going to listen to the scientists. Number one, you're the president. If a scientist was going to be president, then we should listen to it. But you take advice from the scientists and also know you have a company and a country to run, an economy that's dying for extra money because we shut it down because we listen to the scientists. And because Democratic governors have the opportunity to work off the shutdown, they've been reluctant to reopen up. Pure politics. Call Rove. Cut 10. He listed off six things that he would do as president, all of which Donald Trump had done. So, look, in politics, you get to do Monday morning quarterbacking. But this Monday morning quarterbacking by Joe Biden and his surrogates is a little egregious. That guy didn't have a handle on this last spring while the president was doing his very best to come to grips with it and was, and was instead opposing the president on, all, on most of the steps that he took last spring. That is true. And he runs through everything from Rahm Emanuel's brother telling him don't mask, don't work, to Joe Biden saying the president uh, is xenophobic for the shutting down China and he never should shut down Europe. At least along the way, admit that you don't know. Besides saying this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This guy is terrible. This guy doesn't care about you. When Joe Biden's really got no message, the president's gotten... Uh, this situation to deal with. First off, I got to give him, uh, give Barack Obama and Joe Biden credit. I like their positive messages to the president and first lady and shelved politics. I also love the fact that the president appreciated his supporters. You know what he did? His campaign sent pizzas to all of them who've been camped out outside Walter Reed as if he's a family member. The other big story is the debate on Wednesday, on Wednesday. so vital for the president's fortunes. Vice President Pence, who's really led the coronavirus coverage and the aid, and Kamala Harris, who they say is the next generation, who failed miserably as a candidate, who had no position on key issues, whose campaign did so much backbiting, they wasted all their money and didn't even last to the Iowa debates. Now she has to digest Joe Biden's positions and pretend like she's not a radical that wants to take away your private insurance, that told that praise people, uh, said Black Lives Matter is the future. And uh, said we should bail out those arrested for rioting in these cities. So if you want to know how to beat Kamala Harris, just call Tulsi Gabbard because she destroyed Kamala Harris and Kamala Harris had no answer. Here's an example. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president. But I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but... She put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. 
She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. And she had almost no answer, except for that's not true. Oh, and, well, you know, that's just an also ran. She's so far down to the polls. She was done about a month. She never even recovered. You couldn't even mock her on SNL anymore because she was off the stage before they could. But now she's back on the stage. Now, she is whip smart. She's experienced. She knows the law. She knows how to ask questions. The question is, Mike, the thing about Mike Pence, he's got all the answers. And if they're going to talk about the president's behavior and not wearing a mask and doing that, They'll talk about the protocols in the White House that nobody else had a chance to see. And how bad could they have been when almost nobody has tested positive for the last nine months? The wheels came off, it seems, in the Rose Garden or on Air Force One on one of these trips. One time. And I know that's all it takes, but that's an easy thing to battle back on. Listen, I don't want to take too much time away from Rick Scott. I want to talk to him about confirming Amy Coney Barrett and that chances of doing that, as well as what's happening in Florida where Joe Biden was yesterday. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. They don't believe in science and they don't believe in governance and they want to get there as soon as they can to overturn the Affordable Care Act and take away the pre-existing condition benefit. They've never been for it and uh, they're out together. Uh, That is Nancy Pelosi and she's describing the negotiation, the rescue package and also uh, a little bit later we're also going to talk about uh, Uh, Judge Barrett and the chances of her getting confirmed. Of course, that's the other chamber, but the sentiment is the same. Democrats want to delay. They want to keep it because they believe that Joe Biden will win and they believe they're going to win the Senate. Senator Rick Scott, I imagine, does not think that. Senator Scott, are you concerned at all about Barrett's confirmation? No, I think what a wonderful person. Gosh, a mom of seven, adopted two kids from Haiti. Uh, she's one for law professor, now judge on the appellate court. She's done. She's going to do a great job. Plus, most importantly, she understands there's three branches of government. Shocking. She is simply understands that she's a judiciary. I appoint 407 judges uh, in Florida, and every one of them, I ask that simple question. Prove to me you understand you're not the legislative branch or the executive branch. If you can, I can appoint you. If you don't, I'm not going to point you because I don't believe an activist judge. If you don't like the law, I told people, if you don't like the law in Florida, go to the legislature. That's who changes it, not the court system. And that's what I expect out of our Supreme Court. Uh, so when you see two members of the Judiciary Committee uh, test positive, uh, Tom Tillis and Senator Mike Lee, people say, well, that's a signal that it's not safe to do this confirmation hearing. We've been doing we've been doing virtual hearings since March. Um they will be able to do a virtual hearing. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to Mike and I've talked to Tom Tillis. They're, you know, they're both getting better. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be ready. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll get through Judiciary Committee. I've talked to Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the committee. He says, we're going to do it safely. We're going to have a virtual, have virtual meetings. 
if we, people want to come in person, we social distance. That's what's been happening since March when we have meetings in person. We don't. We wear a mask. We social distance. Um, so we we're very safe in the Senate, and we do. We'll we'll vote on the Senate floor the last week in uh, October, and we'll do it very safely. So and Joe she will be confirmed. Uh, Joe Biden was in Florida yesterday, and he believed that uh, he believes he's got Florida. Most uh, most polls have him up two or three. Do you see it that way? No. Now, let's let's remember this. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton was supposed to win, right? Don't you remember? She was supposed to win. Every All the polls in Florida are generally off. You know, in, like in my races, three to seven points. The same thing with Trump. Trump won by a point and a half. I won my races. All the polls said I would lose. So, no, here's why, here's why Joe Biden is going to lose. And Joe Biden is going to lose because, one, he's had 47 years to do something. He can't name any accomplishments other than bad ones. He, the economy is important. He has no idea how to fix the economy. He didn't do it under President Obama. He didn't do it as a U.S. senator. He appeased the Castro regime. Big, it's a very important issue in Florida. Uh, in contrast, what's the president done? He's held the Castro regime accountable. Biden did nothing to hold Maduro accountable in Venezuela. Very important to Florida. President Trump has held them accountable. It's very important to Floridians that President Trump is holding Xi, uh, the General Secretary of the Communist Party of China, accountable. What did Biden do? Appeased him. So those issues are important. And plus, on top of that, the Democrats are known for wanting to defund the police. That's a big issue in Florida. We're at a 49-year low in our crime rate. People are coming down to Florida for why? Jobs, and it's safe. That's why they're coming down here. They like our weather and our beaches. We've had those before, but people are coming. They're leaving places like New York because, one, the job market's going away, and, two, it's not safe anymore. So that's why – and that's what the Democrat Party are. They don't know how to build jobs. They've never done that. They've never done it, and they clearly don't care about law enforcement anymore. So you know, Biden's going to lose here. I, I think Trump um, – I think Trump's going to have a big win because of the issues. It's, you know, we might not like you know, the president's tweets all the time. But if when you sit and say, what's good for my family, right. jobs are good, law enforcement's good, holding uh, communist dictators accountable, that's all good for my family. That's why people are going to vote for, uh, for Donald Trump. So here's to the president's message after getting out of the hospital. Cut to. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're- and he went on like that. People are offended. They say it insulted people, the 200,000, 210,000 people that have lost their lives. What do you say, Senator Scott? Well, what I would say is let's all take this serious. I mean, we have to take this seriously. Wear your mask, social distance. You know, don't go to places where you think there's risk. But let's, at the same time, let's figure out how to get our jobs back, how to get our economy going again, how to make sure parents have choices for school. How, how, we got, we got to live our lives I mean, look, I'm, I'm very impressed with what the FDA has done with regard to allowing the therapeutics that we have out here. We're improving the amount of testing. I think, I think the real game changer is, is the vaccine will be a game changer at some point, but short term, the game changer is testing. When you know, when you can get a cheap test and you know you can get, a, you know, you can get the answer like in 15 minutes, that's what's going to allow people to get back and doing things. If you want to make sure you're back at work, but you can test your How close is that? And you can do it inexpensively. That's what's going to make a difference. When are we going to get that? Well, we're getting closer. I mean, you look at Abbott's test now. Um, you know, they're, you know they, they've had millions coming out now. You can, you know, you can, get, uh, you can get tests now in most cities. I got a, a rapid test on Friday. Uh, just, I just wanted to make sure uh, because everybody else had gotten uh, tested positive. So I tested negative. 
Uh, this is the sixth time I've taken the test, and I got it done like in 20 minutes, and there wasn't a line. So when that starts happening more and more, and you can do it yourself, which is going to happen, uh, hopefully in the next couple of months, and then, then you're going to get out, and you're going to start doing things. So right now, uh, Senator Rick Scott is our guest. Florida has opened up. I mean, you can go anywhere right now, mass or optional. Yep. Uh, does that worry you? Well, I think people ought to wear their mask. Uh, I think that I think, you know, I don't think the government needs to mandate it. When I had hurricanes, I didn't mandate people leave uh, their homes. I said, look, here's what's happening. You're going to get nine for the storm surge. Nobody can save you when that happens. So I, I think we ought to tell people, hey, you know what? It really matters if you wear a mask. It really matters if you social distance. It really matters if you're quarantined, if you've been around somebody that's tested positive. So I think that that's what we ought to be saying to everybody. And we don't have to dictate everything we have to do, but help you and convince people. I mean, what I try to do as governor is I say, look, let me give you really good information, and you are smart. You're going to make a good decision. So I think that's what we ought to do. I think, the, I think at every level of government, they have not put out enough information. We have to know, hey, by the way, if you go to that restaurant, guess what? They've had some coronavirus there last week, so let's make sure – let them tell you what they're doing differently to make sure it's safe. All that business over there, you know, they haven't had a coronavirus case in two months because they're doing these things. They tell us more information. Guess what? We would all feel more comfortable. Gotcha. Right now it's open season in, in Florida. My fingers are crossed it goes well. Real quick uh, – I almost said governor. Real quick, Senator, when you look at uh, this race right now, a lot of people think the president is down. Do you believe he is? Not just in Florida, but in the country. Every in Florida, I I, I know in Florida, he everything I see, he's up. Um, so that so if and we're a fifty-fifty state, so it doesn't make sense to me that he's not you know he's not doing well in the other swing states. But I don't see that. I don't know what's going, what the issues are there. Here's the way I look at it. When people get to – when they have to say to themselves, okay, what's better for my family? I just think they're going to go with the president because jobs are important, law enforcement is yep. important, supporting their military, those things. Got it. Uh, Senator Rick Scott, always informative talking to you, always trying to make a difference. Senator Rick Scott, thank you. Have a good day, Brian. You got it. Dr. Kanta Ahmed next on the president's condition and more. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We all remain cautiously optimistic um, and on guard. Uh, because we're in a bit of uncharted territory when it comes to a patient that received the therapies he has so early in the course. Um, So we're looking to this weekend, if we can get through to Monday with him remaining the same or improving, better yet, uh, then we will all take that final deep sigh of relief. And he did. And he's home. And right now, according to his Twitter feed, he feels good. Uh, Dr. Kanta Ahmed is with us now. She's a pulmonologist, NYU Langone, and senior fellow at Independent Women's Forum. Uh, doctor, welcome back. Brian, good morning again. Great you, to be with you. I know. We were on television this morning, but last week you did say to me you're a little worried. You hope the president doesn't rush to get back. Uh, some are saying he did. Do you feel that? No. I think, first of all, I was very relieved that the 
president was humble and vulnerable enough to go to Walter Reed on Friday evening. I think that was a great decision on the president's part. The treatment planning that they had is terrific. They obviously aimed to neutralize the virus that was already in the body. They got him on day one of the infection, so the viral burden was low, much lower than the patients I saw here in New York at the beginning of the pandemic. And then they gave him uh, remdesivir, which stops, stops the, the virus multiplying and making more progeny. And then they gave him the steroids to co combat his immune response. So actually, I think he's had extraordinary treatment. I do believe this treatment will become standard of care around the globe eventually if the Regeneron trials come out. Mm -hmm. And also, the president is not going back home the way I would send a patient home or you and I would go home. He has a full in-house medical team at all times and is going to be very closely scrutinized. He's just resuming some of his activities of daily living, maybe not everything, but many things that he can do while he is safely observed. And what's very nice is he's obviously responding to the treatment without complications, without setbacks, and he's moving in the right direction. Remember Brian Garibaldi, who's the lead pulmonologist managing the president with the Walter Reed team, has published the research on predicting how patients do when they get sick. And I'm sure that's coming into the decision making. Well, that's true. Some have speculated that if you need oxygen on Friday, twice, supplemental oxygen, you drop before 94, you want it at 98, you're the pulmonologist, but that's what they say for, they tell us, layman, uh, that there could be some damage to the lungs. And the fact that they don't say there's no damage means there might be. What do you think? Well, first of all, I would never initiate oxygen for a pulse oximetry of 94%. No. And um, we have to know, perhaps at the time he was mounting a high fever and it caused a slight drop in oxygenation. The pulse oximetry is plus or minus 4%, even with the highest resolution pulse oximeters. So that means nothing to me. And if he was on oxygen, it was transient. It may have been for 45 minutes or it may have been in preparation to get into the helicopter or go to the hospital. So I'm not worried about that. His lungs are functioning well because we see how he's functioning. Speech requires a tremendous amount of lung function. Speaking in full sentences, you know, even when you have asthma, that's not possible when the asthma is active. So we can see from his speech, from his walking, that he's doing well. Um, and I don't use the phrase lung damage casually. The public may. Um, it's most definite that this virus targets the lungs. That's where the receptors are. And that's actually what Regeneron does, is prevents the virus from binding to those receptors. It's a very important mechanism of preventing it from doing any injury. But do I think his lungs may have been involved? There's a possibility. They may be slightly inflamed. And even so, the lung has incredible reserve capacity to deal with all manner of uh, insults and infections. People could live with only one lung. So even if there are shadows or, or fluffy infiltrates on any of his radiology, it means nothing because he's functioning, oxygenating, ventilating well. Is he contagious? That, that decision to move him to the White House will have been an enormous consensus decision all of these doctors have taken. So we shouldn't question right. it. I think it's very sensible. Is he contagious? So that's a great question. Typically, once we contract COVID, the first 10 days, we're likely to be contagious, but we're most contagious before we have any symptoms, before we even have a diagnosis. So the president might have been contagious a few days before he knew 
that he developed the, the, the virus. So, of course, we had by the day that he became positive. Now, what's interesting is because he's had both remdesivir and Regeneron at the start of his illness, his viral burden is abruptly curtailed. So they may still be able to test that he has virus in him, but it is significantly reduced in its ability to be contagious. And that will continue through the rest of the week. So we would like to see if the president is in close contact with somebody, he should wear a mask. Eventually, he will start to test PCR negative. But even before he's PCR negative, the viral burden in his body will be so low, it will no longer pose a risk to others. And that's a very difficult determination to make, but his team can make that. Dr. Ahmed, a lot of people pointed out the fact that the president had a team of doctors and he got this he got this antibody cocktail. That's something we would never get. Therefore, when the president says, uh, don't be afraid, well, we should be because we don't have what he has. What do you say to people like that? Well, first of all, Regeneron is in trials thanks to the president's Operation Warp Speed mission. That drug would never have reached even clinical trials if it was not for the president. If the trial is successful, I think there's uh, a few thousand people enrolled. That drug will then be available to be approved for the market, and Americans will be getting it. Um, second of all, uh, the, uh, the president is telling us two different things. He came out of the helicopter wearing a mask. He also said, be careful. But what I am seeing in many of my patients who now come to see me for other reasons, there is a paralyzing fear of moving in society, which is debilitating families and patients. We, I am seeing mental illness. It's part of my field. Uh, I am seeing patients that are decompensating with previous mental diagnoses or new mental diagnoses because of the isolation and the overwhelming fear that this pandemic has instilled, and that's a normal response. And that itself, the fear, can also be destructive to our health. So just as we don't want people to smoke because we know it can cause lung cancer, we don't want people to drive without a seatbelt because you can die doing that, Similarly, we want you to move in society, but use your precautions. Don't crowd into a poorly ventilated space. Don't leave your mask at home when you're around other, other people. Use your judgment, and we can balance the two. Mm. I think by going to the Walter Reed, uh, by keeping us updated in videos, being willing to show us that he was not feeling well when he left the White House. Remember, every day we yeah. got a video update. The president is very humble and is showing that he can get infected, he can seek treatment, and he mm. can return to resume the beginning of normalcy for him. And that is the path of right. the vast majority of humanity in this pandemic. So I want you to hear the president's not even, right. I want not you even, sorry. I want you to hear the president's Pardon. message. And is that help? Is this helpful? I think it is. But I want to hear a doctor like you who's seen the worst of the worst already with this pandemic cut to. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front as your leader. I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better and maybe I'm immune, I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there, be careful. So a lot of people have, a, every, almost every Democrat has a problem with that message. What about you as a doctor? 
Right. So I understand the president not only as a person who's had the infection, but as our national leader. And what I am very concerned about is there is an excessive reliance on immobilizing our population, which is causing untold destruction. Brian, I see people in my office that did not get cardiac stents when they needed them, that did not get a tumor resected when they needed them, and now we're dealing with, dealing with much more advanced disease. I'm also looking at the carnage, the economic carnage, of people not having jobs, whole industries disappearing, no airline industry that's functioning, no restaurant industry. This is causing incredible destruction, including disease, including loss of access to health care, including a total destruction of the spirit. And I do think that we've put too much emphasis on immobilization. We should emphasize infection control. Yes, hand-washing masks, distancing that's reasonable. We need much more focus on HVAC. We need every school, every university with proper ventilation, HEPA filters and far UVC lights that sterilize the air within minutes of all viruses, including coronavirus. We need that all over the country. But the answer is not a zero-sum game. America is going to get back on the move if we know what's good for us while we observe the precautions. And I think two things are possible. So when the president says don't dominate, to me as a doctor treating patients, it means you don't give up on all reason for being. I have grandparents who are not leaving the home I know. or seeing even their relatives. They can. You can meet outdoors. I just had this discussion with a patient today. Meet outdoors while the, we while the weather is good. It's important to have human contact. There are many ways to mitigate the risk. And that's necessary. Otherwise, I have families that are entirely isolated. We're into the sixth month of isolation in some cases. So I actually cannot criticize the president for doing that because his role is different than any patient I would treat. He has also uh, is, is confronting the risk. Let's say, God forbid, the president loses power, which I think would be a setback for the nation in many ways. And um and that I'm speaking as a private citizen now, not as a representative. If he loses election. Yeah, let's say he loses power. If we, we are going to have more outbreaks, that's the nature of every pandemic in history. If we immobilize this country again to the extent that we did. Like they're doing in New York? Recover like they're doing that. in New York yes. in about six zip codes? Yes, but you, you're seeing in New York City, we've lost 80,000 restaurant workers do not have jobs. We have the entire entertainment industry, movies, theater, plays, Carnegie Hall, the Met, absolutely immobilized. Nobody's traveling to New York from overseas, no conferences. It, hotels are losing thousands of employees. This is the destruction of some of our iconic Absolutely. Cities. That's and why you can't just lose. No offense, doctor. That's why you just can't listen to the scientists. You have to be a president that listens to military scientists in, all, in order to make a decision. Correct? But, it, but it, to, I would say you do both. You listen to scientists and economists, but listen to the scientists who are saying the CDC was extremely slow to recognize airborne transmission. They just announced yesterday. I know. Scientists put a petition together, 240 scientists in June, begging. There is airborne transmission. All these schools and universities empty for six months could have modified their ventilation. Every public building could be fitted with far UVC light that can neutralize the virus safely. That could have been done. There are so many other environmental issues that could have been addressed yep. 
by now, and we can still have the society on the move. So I listen to the scientists, but not only in my own field, and I listen to the economists because I look at the health effects of the economic carnage. Gotcha. So um, Doctor, I'm, I'm, let's just pray the president gets better and continues the way he's doing, and God willing, he will. Right. Uh, Dr. Uh, Kanta Ahmed, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. She's with NYU Brian, it's Langone. always a privilege. Oh, really? My honor. You're helping the audience out a lot. Uh, when we come back, we'll finish up with your calls and your comments and maybe find out if there's more to know. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. The reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. That is just a little of the, some of the genius comments from Joe Biden. He's gotten a total pass on. But I hope those in the black community realize what you're dealing with. I don't think he's a racist, but you spend 90 percent of your time, Joe Biden, calling President Trump a racist. He never said anything like this. Uh, so let's find out uh, if we can, Eric, if there's more to know. More to know. Half Americans say they've become coffee expert make, uh, uh, expert coffee makers during the coronavirus pandemic. A poll of 2,000 coffee-drinking Americans find that 49% have become uh, quaristas at home barista during the pandemic. The survey commissioned by Mr. Coffee, which Joe DiMaggio used to endorse, he doesn't anymore, adds two-thirds of those, uh, those at home consider themselves experts. A quarter of respondents say... They've used, uh, used their time at home to learn how to use an espresso machine. So my question for you is, you're a big coffee drinker. Have you become even better and more? I mean, as grand as you no, were. I'm just a drinker. Have you re- oh, okay. So you haven't even attempted no. to uh, make uh, become a better coffee maker. Three in four of the quaristas have committed over two hours learning how to brew with the perfect cup of coffee. Nearly 60% they've learned to, uh, to do a new cold brew coffee. Good job, people. Way to be productive. Beats working on that graduate degree. Next. Get this. Scientists have found 24 planets that may be better than Earth for us. This according to the Journal of Astrobiology, which I'm going to get. I'm going after my paper boy. He is not delivering it anymore. A new study finds a Washington State University scientist. His name is Dirk Schultz. Matcock says that our galaxy is home to planets which potentially fall into the category of superhabitable. Those Earth-like exoplanets include ones that are older, larger, warmer, and wetter than the Earth. I was hoping for a wetter planet. Superhabitable planets which which circle around their stars slower could also help life to thrive more easily. Please, show me pictures before I move there. Well, think about this. If you get there now or stake a claim, you can get the radio show up and going to be the first show on the new planet. Right, unless they've already stacked with shows like mine. That's what I worry about. If it's a better planet, they might have better shows. But it'll be different. You'll be a true alien there. That's true. Uh, A study picked out uh, the top 24 interstellar contenders, all of which are over 100 light years away. The problem is by the time we get there, we'll be dead. Unless we found a way to preserve ourselves. Next, 
Work productivity improves after 30 minutes of fresh air uh, outdoors. That explains why the president went out of Walter Reed yesterday. A study of 2,000 employees and 1,000 managers, uh, they did this study, concluded that just 29 minutes spent outdoors results in a 45% increase in productivity. Uh, Pete, you do not go out from the minute you walk in, correct? No, but I think I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to be just hanging outside just like randomly right during the show. I'm just going to walk out. Right. And you be outside. And a lot of times you can walk out, get fresh air, and demand more money at the yeah, same time. We, so when you come you know, back, you'd have a better deal. I, you know, I've learned from people that you can do that in the middle of the show sometimes. And, and do you know that the back of your hand, a study said, says no. The old saying goes, if you don't know that, if you know something well, you know, like the back of your hand. But as it turns out, most people don't know the back of their hand. <laughs> this is a study at York University. This, in other words, these people could have studied the back of their hand or studied how to make better coffee. I'm not sure if they made the right decision. Uh, so you cannot truly say that you know how to make coffee like the back of your hand. The study author, the, the study's authors have discovered that the brain's representation of visualization of the back of their hands actually changes depending on the position in which the hand is placed. Essentially, our ability to accurately judge the size of our hands fluctuates depending if our hands are in a familiar or unfamiliar position. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a useless study. And whoever funded it, you please tell me you kept your receipt. Because you deserve a full refund. And I know that for sure, like the back of my hand. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.